And this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 leads every month. So, um, you know, just like what I said, I'm really excited to hear it from Michael because we just had a conversation a while ago and he told me that um, he just got a, um, a cute baby girl. So yes. we're the same. Very <laughs> proud papa. Yeah, proud papa. I'm really, you know, I'm really surprised that uh, her, uh, his kid is uh, two months two months old and so is mine. So we're, we both are daddies of two month old babies. So let me give the floor now to Michael. Michael. Ah, yes, Jen, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's funny because I look at when I do webinars, it's almost kind of a, uh, a redemption. I also have been speaking on the subject for probably about 20, for business, about 20 specifically real estate businesses for uh, uh, over 15 years. And I, I have a passion for it because I've made so many mistakes uh, in the past. Uh, I, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the companies like Real Estate IQ to help me to hone in, uh, to get the data. And I think knowledge is power. And I think if you have that, it saves you money. Um, many times, and I, and I see clients who come into it where if they don't know what they don't know, then they end up going down the wrong path and uh, it costs them time and money. Um, you know, get, being able to get deals through uh, uh, data is very important. One of the things that uh, I really want to get into is uh, questions from your guys' end. Uh, you know, I love uh, specifics when we get into uh, terms, technology, when we get into uh, some of, of the schematics of how to put together a real estate business, um, some of the benefits. Uh, and I like the unique side of each piece, uh, each piece of that. Um, the one thing that I do know is that one size doesn't fit all. And uh, so why we might have some people who are similar, uh, we really need to hone in on uh, what you guys are going through. Uh, there's a ton of information on the internet. And with that, uh, there's a lot of bad information. A lot of stuff's written from a sales perspective. And so they tell you all the good, but not all the bad. Uh, they, you, you would read an article and think, oh, wow, this is something I'm going to be able to use. And then all of a sudden you run into that roadblock. Well, wait a minute. That doesn't quite play out the way that it was explained to me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen out. And uh, what we'll do is get you guys, um, uh, we'll get right into it. Now, I have a tendency uh, to go ahead and uh try to present maybe even too much at times. My whole thought behind it is that if I expose you guys to the concepts and the topics, uh, we can help you out with the knowledge later. Uh, but what I want to do is make sure you guys are aware that these things are out there. One of the things about the tax code, something I'm going to be talking about tonight, is the tax code is so extensive. Uh, I don't think there's anybody on earth who can actually answer every single uh, question that would come up from the tax code. Uh, but we can find you the answers. And uh, the thing is, is knowing that that uh, strategy is out there. And so what we're going to be talking about tonight is how to deal with your active real estate investing. This is something that I see uh, where, you know, too many investors have no idea. Uh, too many investors feel like maybe the poor dad side of the rich dad philosophy is, uh, you know, they think, hey, owning real estate, I own that in my own name. Uh, you know, having an investment, it's more of an investment like the stock market. Why would that be a business? And so 
one of the things I'm kind of on a mission to do is just help everybody understand that, it, yes, it is a business. Once you fall into a business, the coolest thing about it is you get business expenses. Um, I'm going to be showing you some different slides in this in the fact that if you're operating underneath the personal tax code, you're getting uh, very few deductions. When you operate underneath the business tax codes, you, you get a ton of business deductions. And so that's something we're going to want to cover. Give you a little background on Anderson. Some of you guys are, are quite familiar with us. We've worked with a Real Estate IQ for a while now. Uh, back in 1999, we had an issue where we were all legal. And we, we had some tax understanding. But the main thing is we focused on the legal thing because that's why we went to law school. I, interestingly enough, we would help clients from the legal standpoint and then put them over to their CPAs and their accountants. And then the CPA would shoot them back to us. And it was like our clients were like ping pong balls going back and forth, back and forth. So what we decided to do was bring it all under one roof and bring it all in one roof so that our CPAs and our attorneys can all of a sudden work together on a client as opposed to bouncing the client around. Uh, every you know, uh, company should have a mission statement. Ours is to help investors preserve their assets, protect, uh, protect them from a predatory legal system, which I was a part of. I, I, I was a recovering, or I am a recovering uh, plaintiff's attorney, and then allow them to prosper. We have a great respect for our clients. And when I do new uh, new hires for employees, one of the things that I always make sure they understand is our clients are different from most of other people out there. And the reason why they're different is they're sacrificing for a better future. Um, and with that sacrifice comes respect. And so uh, where we are located, we have over 220 employees uh, throughout the United States now. Um, we got little satellite offices in uh, a lot of the states, our main offices, Wyoming, uh, we got Nevada, uh, one in Arizona. Uh, uh, you know, we've got actually three in Nevada, um, Salt Lake City, and then Tacoma, Washington. And so what do we do? We call ourselves an educational company. Uh, that's, that's primarily uh, our focus is we educate our clients. And the reason why we educate our clients is we have a philosophy that an educated client makes a better client. And when we, when I talk about it, when I think about that, I want our clients to be well-educated. So when we get on the phone, we synergize with the client. When we come together and create a strategy or a structure, the client understands what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. Now, we also like client interaction. Uh, one of the things that we're very proud of is our platinum program where we got rid of the billable hour. Uh, it's a $35 a month charge. And that's something that we wanna make sure that our clients do is they want, we want them to communicate with us. When I was in private practice and doing litigation, uh, billing out at $750 an hour, what would happen is the client wouldn't want to pay that. So they would phone a friend in on the internet and things like that. It didn't work out well for the client um, by trying to save a little bit of money, but not asking the question up front. They actually had to spend more money to fix what they had done. And so that's what we do. We mainly focus on legal uh, and, uh, and, and tax um, and completing a business structure that's going to uh, be right for a business owner and a real estate stock investor uh, and investor in general. One of the things that tonight that I am gonna be providing you guys, if you guys go to this link down here, aba.link uh, slash business IQ, I, I wrote a book, quite proud of it. And it's something that I believe helps a lot of business owners understand how to run your business and keep it free from lawsuits and audits. And so that's gonna be one of the things I'm giving away tonight. I see an electronic copy of that. And, uh, and also because one size doesn't fit all, I'm also gonna give uh, a strategy session to you guys uh, that sign up 
that you, a senior strategist will sit down look over your situation and then you guys will create a plan together. And uh, uh, again, you can be similar to other investors, but each person has a little bit of different, uh, I guess, elements to their overall, uh, what they're getting into that we wanna create a business plan uh, for you. All right, something that we need to start off with is uh, when we're in law in, in, in real estate, in real estate, we have something that happens to us because of the perception of people. They think that we all have deep pockets being in real estate. Even during the downturn, 2009, 10, where real estate investors were really hurting, uh, I saw that there was still that mentality of uh, real estate landlords, uh, real estate owners, all rich, deep pockets. And I know a lot of people maybe had land, but they, do, they were not wealthy by any means. So here's a video that I thought was uh, quite clever on this. We're traveling from California to Florida to find out how people feel about frivolous lawsuits in their state. Let's find out more on Faces of Lawsuit Abuse. So I want you to guess the fake frivolous lawsuit. The first one is a woman who sued Starbucks because they put too much ice in her iced coffee. And the second one is a lawyer suing another lawyer over an overly vigorous handshake. The third one is McDonald's because people want discounts if they ask to hold the cheese in their burgers. I feel like it's the lawyer one. <laughs> the handshake that was too hard. I'm gonna say the one lawyer suing another lawyer over a handshake that was too hard. Uh, I'm gonna say that they're all real. <laughs> Just a guess. Which unless one is fake? Unless they're all real. Unless they're all real. So basically, what? they're all real? They're all real. I mean, the lawsuit environment in this country is crazy. Yeah. You were absolutely well, correct. I think they're just too much frivolous lawsuit, period. What kind of world are we living in? Uh, if you excuse me, we would say only in America. We're traveling. So that is something we have to worry about. That's something that always comes up uh, in many ways. And I saw this firsthand because, again, I was in litigation uh, when I was first starting off as being an attorney. Um, there's a lottery mentality out there. Uh, you know, there's also, uh, you know, before we might settle uh, uh, through arguing or settling it in the streets. Well, now you just sue the person or, or tie them up in, 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 in lawsuits. Uh, hopefully that'll cower. Hopefully you have, you have deeper pockets than them. Um, and so we do live in a litigious society. And this plays into our active investments. And this is something that... I need you guys to be aware of so that we can actually uh, get on the, the, the preventive medicine side of things. So when we look at active investing, it's flipping, wholesaling, engaging in real estate, mainly from a short-term, hopefully short-term, right? Uh, a short-term perspective. Um, you also have to look at that when you're actively involved, active, the whole word active uh, in real estate, that means the IRS looks at you a little differently. And I think one of the things that people fail to understand is what that means from an IRS's standpoint. Uh, what the result of the IRS and what they, they believe you are is you're earning that money. Along with earned income comes an additional tax of 15.3%. We're gonna talk about that a little later. But what we want to do is set you up in a way to minimize those negative effects. Now, when we look at real estate protecting ourselves from the litigious society, we can look at maybe don't own anything, don't do anything. Uh, that's not really us, okay? We are going to own things and we want to own things. We want to build a, a great uh, investment portfolio. We want to do things, but how about we just say in your own name? 
Now, something else, we don't own active businesses where we own our assets because the active businesses, they have a tendency to be sued. And so what we want to do is how do we prevent these lawsuits? How do we gain the tax advantage? And one of the, and one of the things we do is we look at to business entities because in the eyes of the law, it's very interesting. In the eyes of the law, the, it looks at business entities as separate beings. And when I say separate beings, a limited liability company, a corporation, a trust, in the eyes of the law is different from the owners or the beneficiaries of it. So these are our tools. We just have to know which ones to use. When I have started off in the past, uh, years ago, one of the things I found out is the simple fact that people were somewhat afraid of creating business entities. In fact, it actually happened to me. I remember starting my first business, and I was younger at the time. Uh, I was in... Uh, in, in college, and I wanted to start a, uh, a memory business, a, a computer business selling memory. And I had a connection with Taiwan. I could import the memory wholesale and sell it out retail. And one of the things when I first mentioned to a colleague of mine, I said I was going to start my own business. And they said, wow, it's just too much work. There's too many corporate formalities. Uh, that is actually the inspiration for me creating the businesses uh, and actually the business book that I wrote. Um, so I just want to break this down. I want to dummy it down. I'll make you guys familiar with actually starting a business and running a business. So the five steps that are involved, uh, the number one, you got to have the business idea, but then you also have to pick the name. And the name should have maybe a tie into the business. Uh, one thing I want to caution you guys against is we like to put our names in certain things. This is not one of those areas. So we want to select a name uh, that's maybe conducive to marketing, things like that. The next thing we want to select a state. Uh, and this is where I want to dispel some myths. And I think it's important for us, especially as real estate investors, there's a lot of information saying just go to Nevada or Wyoming. Nevada and Wyoming have a, a certain place in the overall business structure. But where we really want to start this business and where we want to form the entity, uh, and it's going to be in <clears throat> the state of <clears throat> where you are actually touching and concerning citizens of a particular state. If you're quick turning real estate inside of, uh, let's say, Texas, uh, then you want to be go ahead and you want to form a Texas entity. Uh, and so you want to try to choose a stat state. And then here's something that we really need to focus, especially tonight, when we want to look at what the entity type is because there's LLCs, there's corporations. Uh, you know, each of those have a benefit, uh, but we have to look at where what we're going to get out of it. And the way you'd want to do that theoretically would be go to the corporation code or the LLC code in the actual state statutes. Um, we use a lot of LLCs nowadays. Uh, LLCs are really open. The reason why they're open is because we can actually select the ta taxation from it. Um, when we look at corporations or LLCs, we look at it from a state perspective. Uh, the one thing that is different in most states with a corporation or LLC is the protection that they give you. Um, LLCs will generally protect you and the business from you, um, and corporations will only mostly protect you from the activities of the business. But if someone sues you, generally they can get into it. We'll talk about, uh, more about that later. Uh, the other thing we have to do, and, and this is where tonight will come in, is that we have to choose the taxation. Uh, far too often, a new client will come into us and they will say, oh, I set up a C corporation or I set up an S corporation or I just set up a simple LLC or a partnership. And we start looking at their activity and we start realizing, and this happens way too often, we realize that they're not maximizing the tax code. And so not by not maximizing the tax code, um, you know, they're having to work too hard to retain the money. 
Uh, far too often do I hear that C corporations are bad because there's double taxation. Uh, with this new tax code that came out a few years ago, uh, the flat tax of 21% is brilliant. Plus, we can go ahead and get more business deductions. Uh, S corporations are great to minimize income and minimize taxes on our personal returns. The, after we choose our taxation, I'm going to get into that a little bit. We need to draft and then file the documents. This is where I see more people mess up. Uh, and I see accountants do it too, frankly. Uh, you really need a good set of documents. I've seen corporations that were drafted like LLCs and LLCs that were drafted like corporations. Uh, the big problem with that is that if you're not treating the business like a business, the actual courts or the IRS will look through that business and go to you as an individual. Um, and so that's something we wanna look at. Uh, with our active businesses, we are mainly gonna be using a corporation. Number one, we wanna take that activity and move it away from ourselves. Uh, the other thing we wanna do is make sure we get the tax benefits of the corporate tax code. Uh, when I say protecting the actual business, something that's very interesting, when, an accountant might tell you that there's too much to work, uh, you know, to form a corporation, there's too much paperwork. Uh, understand it's not. Uh, basically, is keeping good records, bookkeeping, um, signing your agreements as a corporation, a corporate officer. Uh, because if you treat the business, the courts will also. Now, this is interesting because each one of these, it all comes down to benefiting you okay so benefiting you basically by doing all of these things you're going to have a better finger on your financial pulse by keeping better records of your expenses by doing bookkeeping understanding where you are from a cash flow standpoint from a profit and loss statement um, you're going to be in better control so let's look at why we use a corporation and what we what the use is for flipping we also can do property management. I saw a question, we'll get to this later for Airbnbs. Uh, do you use a corporation uh, or do you use an LLC uh, or a partnership or an S corporation? One of the neat things you're gonna find out is we might use a combination. Uh, when I looked at that question, I thought to myself, wow, hold on here. We can actually go ahead and uh, you know, not just use one entity, but maybe a couple entities in conjunction with each other to maximize the tax benefits and minimize the risk. When it says, is Airbnb considered active by the IRS? Airbnb is an active business. And so maybe we want to use an LLC to actually own the property and then a master lease with a corporation and get the tax benefits out of there. So kind of a neat things. And we can also manage our real estate LLCs with a corporation. I want you guys to start looking at doing wholesaling outside of your names. I know a lot of people think, oh, you know what? It's just me. I'm just moving paper. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, contracts out there that have gotten people into trouble because they were not assignable. We'll talk about that more later. Real estate development, tax liens and deeds, and then also private lending, something that I'm very familiar with. Let's look at the first one. Wholesaling real estate. Guys, number one. We have to make sure that the ability to assign the contract to another party is in that uh, contract. You'll, you're, you'd be surprised how many times this has been overlooked and how many times it's actually gotten clients or actually uh, prospective clients in trouble. So we need to have retain the ability to go ahead and assign the contract. Or we have to use different entities to be able to go ahead and get the wholesaling done. Because I'm one of those, and Anderson's one of those uh, companies 
And I'm one of those people who just because the obvious choice doesn't let us do what we want to do doesn't mean that we can't have a workaround. Uh, you know, what happens if we run into a great deal, but then there's a prohibition of uh, assigning the contract to another party? Well, Anderson, what we do is we can go ahead and form a, a wholesale trust, maybe a corporation, and we go under contract with the wholesale trust. The wholesale trust is the party. Isn't this cool? And what we do is just change the beneficiary to the trust. Okay, so that's something that uh, we want to make sure we look at. Here's the other thing. When we get into, uh, when we're looking at doing flips, and here's a, here's, you know, we got to look at wholesaling. It's all short term. Okay. So Tasha here enters into a purchase and sale agreement in her own name. Guys, whenever you see this, you see a red flag. Do not do deals in your own name. I, you know, from a contract, from breaking a breach of a contract, from fraud allegations, things like that. Uh, you know, and then in real estate, we also have a problem where we have uh, black mold, I think is uh, pretty familiar to everybody who's in real estate. We don't want to have it our, our, our own name because if it's in our own name, then we are the party that gets sued. So basically, in her own name to acquire a rehab property for 160000 in Denver, Tasha signs the deal to Fred, okay, for a fee. The seller refuses to close with Fred because the contract was not assignable. Basically, then the seller sues Tasha. Now, here's the issue. Who's on the contract? Tasha. And then we have a big problem, especially in the state of Texas, those of you who are in Texas, that with Texas, if you breach a real estate contract, real estate is considered unique. And so what happens is now all of a sudden we, uh, the opposing party can actually do specific performance. Uh, and then the damages in, in, uh, for messing up one of those these deals in Texas is it, it, it's pretty substantial. So we want to make sure that we're protected. Number one thing you need to get from these past slides is the fact that we don't know real estate in our own name, period. Here's something. Roger set up a corporation to find, fix, and rehab real estate. After six months, Roger's working on finalizing two properties, having just sold. Congratulations, Robert. You made $45,000 in, $45, in profit. That's pretty substantial. That's great, right? The problem is that with this property that he just sold, there was some plumbing issues. And now all of a sudden those weren't disclosed. And so this deal came back and now it's affecting these other two properties here. And why it's affecting their two properties is they were all either in one entity or they were in his own name. And therefore, everything that's in that entity or everything that's in that, uh, I, I guess, that, that all the eggs in one basket, that's all subject to these lawsuits, especially the lawsuit here because the demand of 55000 or he's going to bring a legal action against Rogers Corporation. So in this case, it was done in a corporation, but all the deals were in the one corporation, including filing list pendants. Now, guys, let me tell you why that, uh, I wanted to use this example. Because on short-term deals, what we do is we use a lot of hard money, okay? Hard money is you know pretty expensive at times. Uh, all of a sudden now, these other two properties 
The other two properties now are tied up with what a list pendants. And a list pendants is basically that there's actions against either the business or the actual real estate. And therefore it really taints and no, and no one's going to want to t- uh, purchase those properties. Now what's Roger, what's going to happen to Rogers? He's paying high uh, interest, hard money on the other two properties. And so basically in this case, he just made a mistake and did his own name. What he should have done, and this is maybe uh, kind of a foundational aspect for those of you guys who are doing uh, flips, is separate them all out. Now, this is going to be your first exposure. It's something that's pretty cool. A lot of people don't think about is we can have these entities, these LLCs, as disregarded LLCs. And what that simply means in the state's eyes, let's just say this is Texas, state's eyes, these entities all are separate individuals. So if this, let's say that this is the property that Roger had a problem with, this is the only entity that we have an issue with. These other two entities are safe because what we've done is compartmentalize that risk over and separate apart. Now that's from a state liability standpoint. From a taxation, what's awesome, and you're gonna find out all the deductions, basically we use the corporate tax code and so we get our cake and eat it too. Very rare in law and tax, you actually get to do this. But just using and having the knowledge that we can do this is something that's fantastic. So basically that, if, in, in Roger's case, this property would go away, the other two would be safe, okay? All right, now from a tax station, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. You guys all know, uh, or you should have got out of that last section, that number one, you shouldn't do things in your own name. And what we need to do is spread out the risk in separate business entities. One of the things that come up comes up quite uh, frequently uh, with my real estate investors that have we haven't they haven't gone through our program is basically, uh, you know, they say that they pay too much in taxes. Um, and from reviewing their returns when they become a client, I agree with them. They've paid way too much in taxes. Uh, something as an active real estate investor we have to be aware of is something called dealer status, because what happens if you get tagged as a dealer? All of a sudden, all these negative ramifications start piling up on you. Um, you know, generally, what I would do is ask, and maybe I'll ask it here: How many deals do you have to have, or have done, for the IRS to uh, term you as a, a dealer? Um, uh, anybody want to answer that uh, in the chat or in uh, questions and answers? Anyone know how many deals? Ten. All right, Victor. Thanks for participating. Anybody else? A lot of times I get five. For some reason, five is when we subdivide rod land uh, that you can go ahead and uh, throw in some next, uh, um, the next step of bad tax ramifications. Uh, Margie, three. Uh, all right, very close. Um, the answer is one. Uh, Richard Hall, way to go. Uh, R- Richard Hall may have heard us speak before. Um, the reason why it's so easy to be tagged as a dealer is because it's an intent-based test. Basically, did you have the intent to buy a piece of property and sell it to make a profit. Well, of course, we're real estate investors. And so one deal, the tent-based test, did you intend to go ahead and make a profit from a short-term deal? Answer is yes. Now here's uh, what I wanna expose you guys to. What happens if you're tagged as a dealer, no more 1031 exchanges, basically kicking your tax liability down the road with other purchases of real estate, like-kind properties, uh, no more, installment sales. You can still do them, but the tax ramifications are pretty bad. Uh, For those of you who aren't uh, knowledgeable regarding installment sales, basically with an installment sale, 
you'll sell a piece of property and then you get paid over time by the purchaser, basically selling finance uh, uh, in a way. Um, when you receive the payments for that piece of property, then a portion of that is deemed profit and that's what you'd be paying the taxes on. If you get termed as a, or tagged as a dealer by the IRS, this is something that's gonna last with you. Um, upon the sale of the property, you have to pay taxes all at once upon the entire profit of that deal. Not when you receive the cash for the actual sale, it's right up front. You see how bad that can be? Um, and, and, and really there's no way around it. Uh, Self-employment issues, an extra 15.3%. Can't capitalize on depreciation. I'm gonna show you guys a way on for, for using tax planning, uh, uh, the way that we can actually uh, recategorize the actual depreciation. It's fantastic. Some of you guys understand it or have heard about it. It's cost segregation. Uh, it's something that I, I'm a big fan of. Um, and then uh, no more long-term capital gains. Everything's become short active income, short-term. And then uh, one of the things we want to do when we form our businesses, when we are doing uh, uh, real estate, either short-term, long-term, the thing we do, we, we do want to do is create arbitrage or keep, uh, we want to maximize our assets and leverage them out um, and build upon that. And so we want to make sure that we look good for lenders. Um, we've had many clients brag about their accountants and how great they are, that they're basically not paying any taxes. Uh, you know, they might brag in the beginning about that, but then all of a sudden when it comes down to actually getting financing, they're not showing any profit and they're not able to get finance. So something we need to do is balance between paying as little in taxes or whatever our fair share is, I should say, and also qualifying for loans. So that's something we use a corporation for. You'll find out a lot that we use entities together. One of the things we do use is Wyoming for the asset protection and those are against ourselves, the car accidents, things like that. What we want to do is create a wall between our investments and ourselves. And so this is something that I just wanted to put in here that for our long, this would be long-term holds. And this is going to be short-term to kind of give you guys an idea that you want to treat them separately. All right. Let's look at some corporate tax. Um, I want to skip over that. You guys can look it up. Steinfeld on tax. It's quite funny. Uh, I want to get some more of the meat out of here. So what we're going to be doing is taking you guys out of your personal name, put you guys into the business tax code, because this is going to be personal right here. This is the personal tax code. You earn, you're taxed on the money, and then you get to spend whatever's left over. And generally, it's cents, not dollars. Um, I learned this. And I think many of you guys probably had the same experience. When you got your first job, you had calculated what you thought that first paycheck was going to be. And what happened was you got that first paycheck and you looked at it and said, my gosh, it's a lot less than what I thought it was going to be. That's because you're under the personal tax code. What we want to do is get you under the business tax code. Now, some of the, uh, I guess, comments every once in a while that I get is, well, can I really form a business? Isn't a business for like GM, IBM, uh, you know, corporations or businesses like that? Um, no, the, the baseline is you got to be in the pursuit of a profit. All of us who are in real estate are in the pursuit of a profit. Um, and so, yeah, everyone qualifies to incorporate. Everyone qualifies to put this into a business form uh, because you guys are in the pursuit of the profit. What this does for us is we earn the money, we spend it out, and then we're taxed. What a better way to do business, right? Or a better way to go ahead and arrange your affairs so you're spending. Now, 
I'm going to show you a ton of business deductions. And you're going to realize there's some overlap between what benefits you personally and what benefits the business. And so it gets kind of exciting when you can say, wait a minute, I'm actually doing this as a business and I get a tax break on it. And so it, we, we get in there. Um, one thing, again, I wanted to get, there always comes a question as to C corporation versus S corporation. Uh, let me give you guys some reasons that you might want to lean towards a C corporation and that you might want to lean towards an S corporation. Uh, because I think far too often accountants tell you you don't want to be a C corporation. And that's just not true. We set up a lot of C corporations for our real estate investors. It got even more attractive once the current flat rate went down to 21%. The other thing what it does is it removes that business activity the income away from your personal tax return and it puts it over on a separate return. It's the, the, the corporation's tax return, 1120. And so what happens is now if there's any scrutinization of expenses, it can, the corporation gets audited, you don't get audited. Plus when you go in for loans, since it doesn't flow down and you simply receive a paycheck or a, a distribution or a dividend, uh, it takes that activity and that activity is not scrutinized your return scrutinized, plus you can show income from a third party. Um, and then uh, we can go ahead and control when we take the money out, when we're taxed on the money. Um, we do a three-day course. I know it's available on uh, uh, the upcoming events. Um, we're going to get into that more. Uh, Clip Coons and myself are going to be uh, uh, getting into that. We're going to do a one day that's coming up. I believe it's uh, November 21st. Uh, that will get more into how to go ahead and control how much income is hitting your tax return. Uh, because the losses don't offset your personal income, there's more fringe benefits. I'm going to go through a, a bunch of them uh, this evening. Uh, we can also get rid of the $3,000 loss uh, and uh, really get you a lot more if the business doesn't work out. And then the big thing for a lot of our clients, they can go ahead and deduct uh, educational expenses. Something that as a person, publication 550, it's, uh, I think it's page 36 or 37, right in the center, it says no investment related seminars. Uh, you know, we can't deduct them personally, but we can deduct them through a corporation. Now, something with the S corporation, uh, our main thing with an S corporation, and or the thing that I like the most about it, is it minimalizes your employment taxes. That's that 15.3%. Okay, basically what we have to do uh, is split the income between a salary and a distribution. What's neat about that is right now, if you guys are doing these in your own name, you're being tagged on all the income 15.3%. Uh, Sorry for my handwriting, uh, but 15.3%. Just keep thinking about it. You guys keep operating in your own name or as an LLC. I just got the question, what about an LLC? Or as an LLC that's disregarded to you, that all comes down to you from a tax perspective. All of your profits just throw an extra 15.3%. If we were going ahead and if we went in and filed a corporation or an LLC tax as an S corporation, what we could do is split the income between a portion of its salary, which is going to be 15.3% extra plus your tax rate, and do a portion over here that's just subject to your tax rate. And you know, this is a quick example. This isn't real life, but if you did 50, if you made $100,000, what you would basically be looking at 
is that if, if you brought 50 over here, you would be subject to an extra 15.3%, but that 50 that's over here, that's just your simple tax rate. So you're saving a bunch of taxes. This is, this is in comparison to the people who are just doing it in their own name or just an LLC that's disregarded to you. Uh, they're paying the, the 15, extra 15.3% on that whole 100,000. So a little bit of knowledge about the tax code uh, goes a long way in saving a lot of money. All right, 1244, basically I talked about this. We're able to just increase if, if things go bad, if we want to go ahead and uh, uh, make sure that we, we have an, an, an out if we need to close down a business. We're not limited uh, as if we did in our own name. Let's talk about expenses. Now, one of the things with expenses, and I know I'm going a little fast. Uh, again, I would encourage you guys to sign up uh, for that strategy session and also for, uh, uh, you know, we have a, a full day with Clint Coons and myself uh, coming up on the 21st. Um, I want to talk about business expenses because I think by now you should realize you need to get into a corporation for your active income. And with that corporation, there's a lot more expenses. Expenses are always one of those things that people think, oh my gosh, can we do this? Can I deduct this? Can I deduct that? It's very simple. Basically, I look at it as corn. When we look at corn, is it customary, ordinary, reasonable, or necessary? So any business expense that you want to look at, if you want to go through uh, and you're, you're, let's say you're checking out at Best Buy uh, or you're buying something on Amazon, you want to look at, hey, is this about customary, ordinary, reasonable, or necessary? Is this, is it, does this relate to the business? Whatever activity you're doing, uh, is this customary, ordinary, reasonable, and necessary? All right. Um, Here's another thing that a lot of people don't understand when they're doing short-term deals, when they're doing wholesaling, when they're doing flips, quick terms, any sort of active short-term uh, businesses, is they think that they have to go ahead and just put it into a, uh, an expense side of things. Well, what we can do is actually use what the IRS terms an accountable plan. Basically, it's as a reimbursement. So amounts treated and as paid under a kennel plan are excluded from the employee's gross income, not reported as wages or other compensation. So basically it's, you need to have a business with employees. The employer benefits from the employee's expense. Okay, very, very simple. Let's just go ahead and uh, if you're, uh, you know, every once in a while we're out and I have a laptop and I, I present from the laptop. If that goes out and I, you know, sometimes it does, uh, and I have to go out and I have to buy a computer when I'm out there on the road, uh, that is a business expense. I don't have, if I didn't have my corporate card, what I would basically do is use my personal card and get reimbursed later. It works the same way. So basically employer reimburses the employee the employer deducts the expense. The employee does not report that income because it's not income. It's basically a business expense. Hey guys. Now, what we want to do is we want to make sure um, of we're capitalizing on this. Number one, our educational expenses. Those now become business expenses. This even actually works pretty well when we're looking at 
um, expenses that we've already paid for. A lot of my clients, they're really uh, educational related. And what I mean by that, here is, uh, here is something. With the, uh, with the education, um, you may buy an educational package where you bought a bunch of classes that you can actually take. Well, that now all becomes business expenses, as opposed to if you were doing your person. Uh, you can actually, if you already paid for it, use that accountable plan where you're actually reimbursed for those. Uh, any startup and organizational expenses, your travel expenses, cell phone, computers, internet, these are all things that a lot uh, you're already paying for, but you're paying for personally, right? So basically what you want to do, set up a business entity and then start, uh, start deducting these expenses. One of the most powerful ones that I love to see my clients, and it, it's one of those, it's, it's not instant gratification. A lot of you guys are healthy and that, that, that's really great. But the medical care reimbursement plan is something that's very, very powerful to my clients. Um, you know, this is something I, that maybe I teach a seminar and later on, maybe a year or two down the road, I get a thank you note saying, hey, Michael, that medical care reimbursement plan, I was healthy at the time, but I had a medical expense. And all of a sudden with a medical expense, um, I was out of network and it was going to be quite pricey. If I had to use my own after-tax dollars, that would have really, really stunk. What was able, I was able to do though, is go ahead and pay for it personally. The business reimbursed me for that expense and then wrote it off as a business expense. You see how we're kind of changing things up here? All right, your travel. Uh, again, we travel to different seminars. We travel uh, to look at properties, make sure that what we're doing is uh, we're bringing everything underneath it, right? So when you're business travel, you ought to be looking at, is this for a business purpose, okay? Uh, meals, lodging. One of the neat things I think is kind of funny is also dry cleaning, laundry, things like that, replacement clothes. Um, and also when you guys are going out and actually uh, looking at properties, I, you know, a lot of people are driving around. Keep a mileage log because look at the fantastic deal that we get, 57 and a half cents in 2020. Now, if you're driving a Tesla or a Prius, you're probably making money on the deal. But you do want to go ahead and use a log and just show you got a business purpose behind there. Again, we get our educational um, expenses. Now, one thing that what you guys really need to look at um, is that you guys are all involved in groups, right? And one things that one of the things that a corporation can do is take advantage of something that's actually under the personal tax code. It's called Section 280A, right? And a lot of people don't know it, but they understand it as the 14-day rule. Basically, what this rule says is you can rent your personal residence to anybody, basically, for up to 14 days a year. The rate must be reasonable, right? The thing is, it's not taxable income to you as a person. Now, if we take that rule and if we have a corporation, basically what we can do is we can rent our personal residence to a corporation it's deductible to the business because the business incurred that expense, not taxable to the taxpayer, and it's not income. Now, what I want you guys to do, because I'm a little bit belt and suspenders when I talk about uh, deductions here, is get three quotes, and then you can host investor nights, things like that. Uh, but yeah, every, you, know, you have your business meetings in your home, 
and how I do it. Let's say I need the uh, uh, my the use of a you know traditionally you'd go maybe to a hotel to a conference room. Let's say I need it for three hours. I'd call a three hour. I'd call a hotel, maybe three hotels, get them to email me quotes back, indicating that this conference room, the size uh, for three hours, is going to you know cost Y, right? Now you've got your proof for your IRS if you get audited. Okay, very, very powerful. Uh, you know, I, before uh, being a partner at Anderson, what I did was I used to host investor nights with one of my corporations and I'd get stock investors, I get real estate investors. So it was really great because my company back then, Acumen Networks, what it did was it basically it benefited from getting different deals coming along. And I was able to have Acumen Networks pay me the reasonable rate to rent my personal residence out for that allotted time. And it wasn't income to me, but it was a business expense to the corporation. Great way to go ahead and get money out of your corporation. All right, the section 105B plan. This is something that's very, very, uh, like I just said, um, you know, you might as well be paying your medical expenses with pre-tax dollars as opposed to after-tax dollars. All right, again, you know, that, this is where, where you're out of network and you're paying for it. Um, it's better paid with pre-tax dollars than after-tax dollars, all right? Um, one of the things that comes into when you're doing wholesale deals or when you're doing uh, uh, quick turns, um, because it's short term and there's a lot of cash coming in and cash going out with expenses, maybe you're remodeling um, or just even short term deals, uh, you're going to go ahead and uh, you're going to raise yourself up to a higher level of an audit. Um, sole proprietors doing it in your own name is that that's just an audit red flag. And the reason why is because it's on your personal tax return. These are all business expenses. Every single business expense that gets listed down, that is an offset to your other income on your, uh, on your 1040. What we wanna do to avoid those audits, bring it over to a corporation and the corporation's filing its return. When the IRS looks at the corporations, they, corporation returns have corporate exp business expenses on there. And so it removes that from your personal 1040 and puts it on an 1120 or 1120S, okay? Create an accountable plan like I talked about. Get reimbursed for these business expenses. Um, I always recommend filing extensions. Plus, and your, your accountants and tax preparers should know this. Uh, if something that is uh, you know, out of the ordinary, put notations on your returns, all right? Something that you guys should be aware of and uh, we could be, because you guys are, a lot of you guys are doing short-term deals is that there's something called a real estate professional. Basically what you wanna do, and what, what we wanna do is we wanna remove the $3,000 loss limitation that affects a lot of real estate investors. And if we you get termed as a real estate professional, again, this is separate from a, a dealer in real estate. This is a real estate professional. You're actually in the profession. And there's a couple of different tests, but basically qualify as a real estate professional uh, because you're a majority of your activity. Now this is great for married couples because either spouse can qualify for it. You just have to have material participation. Now what that does is it removes that limitation on how much you can write off against other income because everything becomes active income. One of the things we also need to look at is from a depreciation standpoint. The problem with depreciation is that you're limited and it's a quite long-term time. Uh, what we wanna do is we wanna take a look at what the different types of property is. And 
you know, with your rentals or if you have commercial buildings, what we'll do is we'll go in and do a, what we call a cost segregation study. And we'll look at the different equipment in the business and we'll break it out and shorten the uh, depreciation schedules because there's different property, there's different types of property that wear out over time and the IRS understands that. So what they say is, okay, if you can go ahead and have a, a study done, then that study will basically take out all the furniture fixtures um, and break it all down, appliances, carpets, to shorter depreciation terms. So you're able to write off more uh, upfront as opposed to, you know, commercial property, 39 and a half or 39 years. And so what we want to do is make sure that we're cutting down um, and getting that benefit up front. Uh, with our different types of active activities, um, one of the things that you know, comes up quite a bit uh, is that a lot of you guys are managing your own properties. Uh, you, know, you can actually have your corporation do property management, you can do your short term. And again, when I mean short term, we can go ahead and do our wholesaling and our quick turns inside that corporation. So our corporation isn't just limited to either just being a wholesale corporation or being a quick turn corporation. We can do multiple activities outside that corporation. One of the uh, uh, clients that I was just working with today is actually doing flips. And so they'll do a flip out of an LLC. Now, one of the things I want you guys to look at is when you're doing flips out of an LLC, and this, this might be a, a, you know kind of um, new to some people is after you're done with the flip, I would go ahead and dissolve that LLC. You're okay from the, the, from the tax standpoint, because of course, everything flows down to that C corporation. But what we don't wanna have happen, and if you're doing wholesale deals, we don't want to have someone angry coming out after us for a deal that they didn't like. A lot of people have buyer's remorse. So what this does is it basically it kills our liability here and it creates a wall between that and the corporation. Uh, Victor, you just asked, uh, so have an individual LLC for every deal. Um, that's gonna, you know, the, every attorney loves uh, the words, it depends. Um, you know in your heart of like how risky that deal was. Uh, and so it does depend. Um, I always err on the side of, uh, of caution. One of the things that I am afraid of, like uh, the uh, Frank example uh, in the beginning of this, um, is that a deal is gonna come back and affect my future deals. It's, it's Murphy's Law, right? Um, as when we found out with, with Frank, he had done, if he would have just separated it out, each of the flips in a separate LLC, that plumbing problem would have affected the one LLC, but it would have protected the others. Now, why I say, why I say that uh, uh, it depends is sometimes you, you come into a deal, right? And everything goes very smoothly. It's a safe property, it's newer. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you kind of get that flavor of it. Um, you, you might do one or two in the same LLC in that regard. You could do that. Um, I just, and I'm in the legal side of things where I've seen all the problems that have arisen. 
uh, you know, one of the things that Anderson is we we rather have you be safe. We came up with a unlimited LLC package. You don't, you don't you don't have to pay for each LLC because we want to encourage you guys to do your deals safely. But some of my clients they go ahead and just put a few properties or a few deals into one LLC. Um, again, what happens, uh, Victor? Is, so he's, so have an individual LLC for every deal. Will the expense of making an LLC be taxable? Absolutely. The other best thing is the profit and loss also flows down to the corporation. So we're not having to uh, start again from a tax preparation standpoint. We're not compartmentalizing and uh, only keeping that profit or the loss stuck in one entity. It can actually go against these other deals that you're doing. And so that's pretty advantageous for it. All right. I, you know, one of the things I did want to, because uh, since we're talking about active businesses and some of you guys get into uh, assisted living facilities, uh, what I want you guys to do is look at separating out between your long-term deals and your active or your short-term deals. Um, this is going to be active. This is going to be passive. I never, you never want to mix these things together because this active business is where you're going to get your lawsuits. And so we don't want to have the actual buildings in here. So we want to go ahead and separate it out. The other thing with, for you guys who are professionals, this is something that's really exciting. This is a great retirement strategy. Let's say you're a veterinarian. Let's say you're a doctor, dentist, uh, you know, any sort of active. And you build up an active business. If you want to sell it, one of the cool things you can do is keep the passive side and sell the active side. You see how this is kind of a retirement plan in disguise? So this is something that's really neat because a new owner here now is gonna be leasing from you because that those buildings have that, uh, I guess, goodwill. So that's something that's kind of neat. Um, private lending, I'd, what we wanna do is look at your expenses and with the private lending, we can go ahead and manage it, get money up into the corporation. Why do we want to get money up into the corporation? Because we're able to expense it out through the corporation using all the business deductions that we talked about. The one thing we do want to do is make sure that our cash is protected. So we want, might want to use a Wyoming LLC in this. Uh, one of the things with active businesses, because it's the sweat of your brow, it gives us a great opportunity to go ahead and contribute to a retirement account. Now, I'm not a big fan of self-directed IRAs uh, because you can't sign contracts, you can't buy at auction, you can't borrow more than 60 days, pooling accounts, and the distributions are not protected. I, it, it's, a, it's an okay entity um, if you're just doing passive investing. Uh, but for those of us who are doing active investing, there's a better deal. And the better deal is a qualified retirement plan, either a solo 401k or a 401a. Clint Coons, check on the schedule of events. I know he's going to be doing a, uh, a training on this coming up. Uh, this is great because we, for our active side of businesses, our wholesaling, from an asset protection standpoint and a tax perspective for our wholesaling or flips, we need to create a corporation and maybe some LLCs are in conjunction with the corporation. Now what we can do with that corporation is have it sponsor a QRP and then roll over additional funds into that. So basically let's say this is past retirement accounts 
We can put those over into the actual QRP. Now what that does is it gives us control. And what I mean, it gives us control. Basically, we're the plan trustee. A lot of my clients are better at managing their money than their paid professionals. Uh, some of my clients were, were griping and moaning about how their paid professional lost their money inside the retirement account. Now, this is something that's very special because this is your retirement, right? So don't go and gamble on this. But what we're able to do is we're the plan trustee, so we can go ahead and buy and sell real estate, hold rental real estate, sell options, tax liens, notes, deeds of trust, any financial instrument. The other neat thing we can do, and I like seeing this, is we can borrow from the plan. Now, all of a sudden, instead of borrowing from uh, MasterCard, Visa, uh, regular institutions, we can borrow from our plan and pay it back over about five years, depending on the plan. But you're paying yourself back as opposed to paying those third parties. Um, and also making those annual contributions is something that I think is great because now, you know, the money that we're contributing over to a retirement plan is decreasing our overall taxation. And so that's something that um, I, with, our re, with our active businesses, far too often I find real estate investors, uh, you know, everything's short term, everything's like here and now, but by doing wholesaling, by doing uh, quick turns, you're able to go ahead and actually also make retirement contributions. When you're making co retirement contributions, that money goes over retirement and depending on the plan, but most of the plans, that decreases the amount of money that's, that you're being taxed on in that current tax year. Uh, and then when you're at a lower tax bracket, you're pulling that out. I love it. I, you know, I love watching my clients uh, you know, get control of the retirement plans. Uh, because again, they, it's an additional source of capital also. You're able to partner with your plan, uh, just make sure you do that uh, um, through a business entity also. And so uh, there is one last section since we're doing, uh, and I know that we're gonna go a little bit over, but I think it's very important since we're building these real estate businesses, I, in a lot of it is we're building the real estate business for uh, a, a dynasty, a uh, you know something to pass on. Um, you know, it, it comes at a sacrifice to us while we're doing this. And far too often, I find people uh, putting estate planning um, over there on someday island. Um, and why do people do this? It's uncomfortable. It's complicated. It's intimidating. A lot of people think there's plenty of time. Um, that's not the case. Uh, I think the you know the virus out here nowadays is kind of. Uh, showed us uh, that, uh, you know, we don't know when things are going to happen. So, um, you know, instead of putting on somebody island, this is something you need to address because it fits over your, your entire real estate uh, business. Um, the other thing I think that people have, have been accustomed to is that it costs a lot of money. Um, you know, right now at Anderson, it's, I think it's $2,500 for a trust. Uh, Without a trust, you'll pay more than 2,500 bucks because you get locked into a probate that's gonna last about 18 months. Um, the problem with it is the court's deciding who receives the assets. And because the court's involved, there's attorneys involved. And so I keep hearing um, some nightmare stories about how expensive probate is because those darn attorneys are actually involved. Um, one of the things that I wanted to spell is that wills are not um, a proper tool anymore because wills get you back into that uh, um, that probate. Generally, I think you know people or attorneys will draft wills, uh, you know, on the cheap because it's just a lost leader for um, for attorneys. They know if they set you up with a will, their name's going to be on that, and 
they will most likely handle the probate and that's where they make uh, the most money. What you guys wanna do is have a living trust. Uh, again, the prices come down um, and you get more control. Uh, you know, it's interesting because your business ass interest will be held by that trust. You're the trustee in the beginning and then when you pass, a subsequent trustee will come in. All right, um, I wanted to kind of show you because a lot of people get, I, I guess, intimidated by a trust. Uh, there's two types of trusts. Basically, there's revocable trusts and there's irrevocable trusts. Um, a living trust is a revocable trust that can be changed. Uh, irrevocable trusts, they can't be changed, all right? Uh, that's why we use a revocable trust. You can change it any time. You're the grantor, the trustee, and the beneficiary, and then you pass on after you, after you pass on, um, someone else comes in and takes care of it. Uh, during your, when you're alive, you're actually the one who's actually controlling everything. You've actually drafted rules so that when that subsequent trustee comes in, they're gonna take over. And so basically avoids probate. Uh, the one thing I like is the ability to go ahead and control your distributions. One of my favorite, and, and, and you guys know, I just had a daughter, uh, you know, uh, born. And, um, you know, one of the things that's important to me is making sure that my wife and I's hard work, the assets we put together doesn't harm them. Uh, and we'll get into more of this in, in, in greater detail, but with a trust, we get control over the estate distribution. Um, one of my favorite distribution schedules for a living trust is 25 at the age, 25 percent of the age of 25, 25 at 30, 25 at 35. Get the remainder at 40. Um, some of my clients backloaded doing a 10 percent distribution. The reason why behind this is at a younger age, there's more control. If they uh, screw up and they spend money on bad investments or in Vegas, what have you. Um, the corpus is held towards the end of the trust. Um, plus it helps them, you know, 25% age 25. Well, they're not getting their first distribution until they can go ahead and maybe make more investments. Uh, they get a little more financial education. Uh, they mature a little bit. Last thing I need my child or my children to do is get the money all at age 18 and then spend it all out. Uh, this just puts a little more checks and balances. It also protects against future ex-spouses, which is quite common today. Um, I've seen too many inheritances divided with a future ex-spouse. This just keeps you what you've worked hard and sacrificed for, and it, it, there's a better chance that it doesn't uh, get either taken by uh, you know people who don't have your kids in the uh, the, the, the the best interest of your children. Plus, it also protects your kids from themselves. Um, if there's substance abuse problems, or uh, there might be, uh, we can go ahead and create a substance abuse trust, basically, that uh, would kick in and help them to get uh, rehabilitation training um, and, uh, and go on and on. Uh, one of the things that we want to make sure, we want to make sure our trust and our estates, that they don't, they don't cause problems. One of the things it's like grieving and greed just go together. And one of the things I run into is when someone passes, people fight over the knickknacks. Uh, inside the, 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 the trust, there's what we call a personal property memorandum. Uh, it's a schedule of gifts. With that, uh, basically it lists the property, the item and to whom it's gonna go to. It's actually written down. Um, I've seen too far too often when someone passes, anyone with a key rushes in and grabs whatever they want. 
um, or people fight over the little figurines and the knickknacks and the heirlooms. Uh, this is written down um, and it's part of your trust. You know, a lot of times we get busy in life. Uh, so what we do is we have a pour over will. Basically, uh, if anything is left outside the trust, it puts it in the trust and then distributes according to the rules of the trust. And the benefit of that is you don't have to go through a law informed probate. Um, you know, with children, and again, I put this in there uh, because I, I think it's far, it, it's, it's overlooked by too many people. Uh, you know, with children, you want to make sure that you're designating who's taking care of the children. Uh, I have family members who would never want to take care of my children. They, and they're not because they're bad, they're just past that um, time in their lives. Um, you know, I've got, you know, friends, family who would be great at taking care of my children, but I want to decide who gets to take care of my children. Um, you need your medical care power of attorneys and your financial power of attorneys. Uh, if you become incapacitated, someone steps in and pays your bills with a financial power of attorney. And there's someone who's set aside to make your medical care decisions. This is something that's important to each of us as individuals, because sometimes we have people who'd be great for financial reasons, uh, making determinations regarding financial subjects. But then from a personal standpoint, um, making uh, healthcare decisions is going to be hard for some people. You know, if you have an account in the family, they're going to say $500 for an aspirin and not want to pay that. Uh, so you, you basically put someone in charge of making your medical decisions and your financial decisions. And, uh, and that person, it also creates a situation where people don't fight um, over the level of care. Uh, and so we want to make sure that that's in there and then put your memorial instructions uh, what happens, this is a question I, I put in uh, just because some of you guys already have trusts. Uh, and the question comes up, you know, how often do you need to go ahead and review it? Um, I would say about every three to five years where a major life changes or change that would happen. Um, look at your beneficiary designations, power attorneys, living will, schedule of gifts, and your final instructions. Um, make sure that they're the, you know, whoever you chose when you created the plan, um, it's still relevant to them now, or it's still relevant to you and that they're, they're good decisions um, and then update the plan. Um, some of you guys will be getting a, a letter from a local attorney saying, hey, we need to update your, your estate plan. That's just an actual advertisement. Um, many a times if, if, you know, these are all, if these haven't changed with who you designated, then they'll go ahead and they're, they're, they're fine. Um, when we draft a trust, we draft it from a perspective that we want it to last a lifetime. Um, it was tough enough to, for uh, people to do a trust in the beginning. And so we put a lot of what ifs and uh, contingent plans inside of it for it. So that is, those are the topics I wanted to cover regarding active real estate businesses. Um, again, uh, if we want to, if we want to do a recap, when you're doing wholesaling of property, when you're doing flipping the quick turns, uh, private money lending, um, anything that's considered an active activity, we have to approach it from a standpoint of asset protection, you know, protecting yourself against those contracts, against those, uh, those quick turns, um, things that can go wrong inside there. And then also look at it from a tax perspective, because these short-term activities I have a feeling that a lot of you guys are overpaying in your taxes. Uh, you know, the thing you want to make sure you do is you organize it in a way that benefits you from an asset protection standpoint and also from a, a, a tax perspective. Um, far too many of you guys aren't taking advantage of the corporate tax world. And so you're overpaying in taxes. Uh, the, um, you know, the other thing is we, we are building this, uh, if we do it right, we're able to contribute over to a retirement plan. 
and so again, we're saving taxes in the short term immediately, but then we're also providing a growth uh, at a better rate um, for long term. And uh, so then, then we want to pass it on. Uh, again, what really hurts is when I find real estate investors where they have sacrificed quite a bit uh, only to have it go down to the next generations and destroy their lives or there's fighting over it. Uh, it takes the whole spirit of why we're doing the real estate investing in the first place. Um, and so we really need to loop it back into making sure it goes down to our heirs and efficiently and it uh, uh, you know, keeps family relationships intact. Um, so I'll take a few questions. I got time tonight if you guys uh, have some questions. Yeah, and thank you so much, Michael. So that those information are really, you know, very, very big tip. And as I can see that most of our attendees are saying thank you now to, to you, Michael. So for now, just to give you also, Michael, time to read through the questions in the Q&A box because I see a lot of questions. And also for those of you who thought of a question right now or probably thinking of a question for Michael today, I'll just um, show you a few information about Real Estate IQ before, before we go to the Q&A um, Q&A part of our webinar for today, just to, you know, give you time, more time to think of your questions and um, let us, um, let it be posted in our um, Q&A or the chat box. So let me just share my screen. Um, let me know if you can see my screen right now. Okay, yep. so... So again, uh, this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 leads every month. And we guarantee that you'll always find a deal with Real Estate IQ. So also, we also have um, a very quick survey just after our webinar, because this will really, really help our webinars. And, you know, we also communicate with our speakers. If any, you know, if any suggestions from you, like uh, any topics that you wanted to discuss in the future, something like that, let us know from that survey. So just um, after this webinar, after we end um, this, um, this topic, we will be, you will be routed automatically to a link to the survey. And we would, we would really appreciate your feedback. So if you have questions about our, um, our services or anything about Real Estate IQ, um, my partner Kai will be posting the contact details of our customer service team. So make sure to save that to your computers to make sure that you, know, we can, um, you can contact our customer service for any information that you might need about our services. And we guarantee a two hour response from our team. We will be also giving out freebies for um, for our attendees today, um, I mean for the week, because just like what I told you a while ago, we are having raffles every week, and we would love to know if which um, which freebies are you interested at. So just make sure to answer that in the poll, so you can be eligible for our raffle. And if in any case that you miss the poll for the forty-five minute one-on-one -on -one deal finding training, just let me and my partner Kyle know in the chat box so that we can list your names to make sure that you can be reserved for this free 45 minute one-on-one -on -one deal finding training. And for our um, community portal, make sure to register for this, um, for our groups in community port in our community portal so that you can do some networking, you can communicate with other members of the group in case you need help because we've got a lot of groups in our, in our community. Um, let's say you're in Florida, you can join the Florida Real Estate Deal Finders Lounge or Houston. So you can um, you can just join to 
our community portal and make sure to um, save that in your computers because my partner Kyle will be posting the links in the chat box. And also for our future events, just like um, Michael have said, we will be having um, another webinar with, um, because our partner Anderson, so Anderson Advisors, they will be having another webinar with us next week. So just go to re uh, next month. So just go to realestateiq.co slash events to make sure that you'll be updated for our upcoming webinars and make sure to register for them um, early. So right now is a perfect time for the Q&A. So we have posted there um, in the chat box the, um, the link to andersonadvisors.com. So, you know, their communication um, portals are there. So you can click on their social media links and the numbers are there as well. So if ever you have questions about, um, you know, Anderson Advisors, you can reach out to them. So as of now, we, we have questions in the chat box, uh, in the um, Q&A box. So, oh. I've seen the here, Margie. So Margie, thank you so much for that message. You know, I've, I've seen Michael's expression and I've, uh, I've heard, um, you know, Michael and I are talking about this a while ago that, you know, we're happy, happy fathers. We're happy fathers <laughs> right now. And thank you so much, Margie, for you know, that was, message. Margie, actually, in, in the beginning, she said, uh, do you need a management company with an LLC? Uh, you know, that's another thing is you, when we start putting together a, a, a portfolio, Using that corporation to uh, uh, to manage your rental real estate, not not the actual real estate itself, but the rental real estate LLCs is a great way to go ahead and bring money up to that corporation and spend it on expenses. <clears throat> so, fantastic question again. Uh, <clears throat> to really, you know, have a one hundred percent answer, uh, you know, go to the link I just posted, uh, aba.link/businessiq, and. Uh, you get the book and then you also get uh, the one-on-one -on -one strategy session too. And, uh, you know, we can make sure that that corporation's going to, uh, uh, you know, be effective and be efficient. Um, the one thing I don't want to do is set up an entity that has no purpose, which I think happens to too many people. Yep. So we have another question here uh, from Margie as well. Uh, for an Airbnb, is a partnership or S Corp be better? Um, neither. What you, 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 you might use the S corporate partnerships really bad. You don't want to do that because that's basically from a tax perspective, there's no tax deductions. It all comes down to the individuals anyway. Um, from a liability standpoint with that, you've got a situation where the liability comes down to you because you're the owner, uh, you and your partner. Uh, also partners can get each other in trouble by signing on behalf of the partnership. So liability standpoint, horrible from a taxation standpoint, horrible. Uh, I would maybe uh, break it up, have an LLC own the actual property itself, and then have the corporation managing the active side of the business. And that's how I would do that for sure. All right. Thanks so much, Michael. And she made a follow-up. Is Airbnb considered active by IRS? Yes, because you're short-term and uh, uh, in, in not active from a uh, you know, self-employment tax all, all, you know, at, at 100%, but you're short-term. Um, and so, yeah, it's not uh, favorably taxed. Again, what I would prefer you guys doing is having your properties owned by individual LCs and then your actual corporations doing the active side of the business. Excellent question. I'm glad. Um, you know, there was another question, and I get this quite a bit. Uh, Sanjay asked, what about an LLC? Um, an LLC is a state uh, creation of a state law. Uh, 
not from the IRS. If you went to the IRS and you told, you asked them, hey, how, you know, can you tax me like an LLC? Uh, they would scratch their head because there's no such thing as a LLC taxation. Um, an LLC can actually be taxed as you know, a disregarded, which would flow down to you, a sole proprietorship, uh, a partnership if there's two or more people in pursuit of a profit, uh, an S corporation or a C corporation. So um, it's really important to understand that just forming an LLC won't give you all those tax benefits from the, for the short-term activities that I talked about. Uh, you need to actually either use uh, an S corporation tax election or a C corporation tax election. That's going to depend again on when you look at uh, how much income do you want to hit your personal return? How much in business expenses um, do you have? Uh, again, getting that free one-on-one -on -one strategy consultation, that's uh, something that we'd want you, uh, that we'd run you through and uh, uh, get you set up in the, in, in the appropriate either S or a C corporation tax election for your uh, short-term active businesses. All right, so we also have a question from Margie again. So should we use personal or business card? Uh, sorry, business, uh, personal or business? Is it, are you looking at the, is it better to pay for an investment property with solo 401k or personal funds or no? Let's see. Let's, let me check. When buying for Airbnb. Oh, um, again, uh, it probably depends on where you want that income to go. Uh, you know, there's also another uh, down the line. Um, I love seeing my clients put together uh, their retirement plans and then buying real estate in the retirement plans. Um, I, I've, I've seen a lot of success with that. Uh, it depends on where you want that money to go. Do you need it personally for your you know, ongoing expenses? Uh, a lot of my clients start off with a job and they wanted to fire their boss and they did, uh, you know, again, but they need that money to live on. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, you really want to go ahead and uh, uh, make the determination of where you want that money to flow, how much money you want to flow down to your person, uh, or do you want it uh, over in a retirement plan where it doesn't flow down to you? Um, uh, should we use personal or business credit card? I see that one. Uh you know, um, as long as you follow the corporate formalities of if you pay for it personally and then submit a reimbursement to the corporation, I'm fine with you using your, your, your personal card uh, for convenience factors and for accounting. Sometimes it's easier to use your business card. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. And she also asked, is it better to pay for investment property with solo 41, 401k or personal funds and why? Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, again, uh, the question is going to depend on where you want the income to go. Uh, I love it when my clients do both. Uh, you know, they're getting personal income, but then they've also got these retirement plans, and that's generating wealth for them also. Uh, and so, you know, do you want the money coming to you personally, um, or do you want it to go back into your retirement plan and grow that way? Uh, it's probably going to, again, one of those questions that I would really, uh, you know, get one of those strategy sessions that, uh, I, you know, you're able to go ahead and have a, a strategist look at it and say, all right, this is what you're doing and this is why you should be doing this or, uh, or blending the two. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I think it's fantastic when you look at it and, you know, your clients all of a sudden start taking, because you guys, you guys have the tools, uh, you're taking it and now you're building your wealth in both pockets, uh, both buckets, basically. 
All right. So from Sanjay, what is the downside of about putting your property in the trust? And because I have been told if I have only a house and cars, then a living trust is probably not necessary. You know, that's important. Um, and again, it's, it's it, it, why I put that section in there because it deals with, you know, if you're going to be doing building and your wealth, um, you know, it's not necessarily the, the dollar amount. It's, is this going to benefit my kids or take away from their, your, your kids? Um, and, and so what a trust does basically, it organizes it so that you put in rules that are going to benefit your kids. You can, you can cut off any sort of bad things. Again, I've seen uh, kids get an inheritance and die within, uh, you know, three to six months uh, after the, after they get the inheritance from a drug overdose. I see that, uh, you know, they uh, spend the money all at once while they're still learning. Um, you know, if, uh, you know, I, well, I've seen clients, kids who are in college get an inheritance and spend all the money out. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there was no money for the future. I've seen uh, clients, children not realize their own goals. Uh, you know, I, there's one particular case I'm thinking about why uh, a gentleman was in law school. He received a big inheritance. Uh, graduated from law school, didn't take the bar because he thought three million was going to last him a lifetime. Um, and now he's broke with no experience and no, and, and, and no uh, uh, license. Um, I don't look at a dollar amount. I also look at it from a standpoint, what we want to do is make sure that we keep family relationships intact. I don't want people to fight over this stuff. I want to make sure that uh, you know, everything's going to benefit all of our sacrifices. And, and I know because when I graduated from law school, I was broker than a joke. I can make top ramen 50 different ways. I don't want my hard work, my wife and I's hard work and sacrifice to take away from my children's lives. I wanted it to, uh, to give them a foundation and build on what I built. Um, so I don't look at a dollar sign. I, I've seen more fights over little figurines than I have seen over money. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't look at it from a dollar side or just having a house and cars. Um, you know, it's also the other documents I talked about, the medical care power of attorneys, the financial power of attorneys, all this stuff would play into it for sure. Yep, and thank you so much, Michael and Sanjay. So from Richard, any thoughts or techniques to help season a new corporation or make it more lendable as soon as possible for purchase of real estate or operating businesses? Is it ever worth buying an existing corporate shell or seasoned entity? Richard, you're fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of these things I try to protect people uh, from. Um, when you say a, a corporate shell, uh, you know, I hear that, hey, buy a corporate shell because it's been in business since 1990. Uh, the problem is there's no tax returns to support that, right? So yeah, this business has been in, but it has no activity. Um, here's, here's my best advice. Um, and we have a whole funding platform too. Uh, but my, my best piece of advice would be this for you. Uh, you know, you get the corporation set up. There's no other outstanding liabilities that you're, that you're worried about are going to come back and haunt you. And then treat it like an eight way, like when you were 18 or when you, when you started building your credit, uh, go get a, uh, a credit card from Lowe's Home Depot, uh, start using that. What you want to do in a, in a vacuum is, is find that report uh, to uh, Duns and Bradstreet. You're going to get a Duns number, the payday, and then you're going to start working on that payday score. And so basically you're going to be building that corporation's credit uh, um, you know, over time. It doesn't take that long. 
but yeah, you're going to need to do it, uh, you know, for your corporation if you want to use corporate credit. For the meantime, until you build that corporate credit, it's going to be like your kids leaning on your credit uh, for some time. Um, and so, uh, uh, but yeah, no, don't go get a shelf corporation, things like that. Those were popular in the, I guess, I dealt with them back in the 90s and I in the early 2000s and uh, uh, they sound like they'll work but once you just realize that you know they're not going to just trust since it's been in business on the secretary of state site that there was you know then you need to see that it actually brought in income and uh, um, filed tax returns great question Richard appreciate that question for sure all right thank you so much Michael and Richard so before we answer the next question actually there's an information for Margie that says the link is not working so I have checked that Margie so once you go to the link there's actually just like a security thingy in there to make sure that you know it's not a you're not a robot. So just click on the box <laughs> somewhere on the left side. Just click on the box, and there's just a very quick question to select the image that the system is requesting. So once you click on that, you will be routed to the website. So um, just give it a try to and let me know. Let me know in the chat box or Q and A box if ever you know still not working, so we can uh, check on that. So thanks for letting us know. So the next question from Kenneth, should I make corporation and LLC for the first deal or make deal first? Okay, uh, do you want my sterile uh, attorney answer or do you want like the what the book says? Because uh, I never live in a book, right? Uh, I, here's, here's the deal, get the deal done, right? If you, I, I, I never let a, we can fix it. We can help it. We can move, you know, we can assign the deal over. I, ideally, I want the corporation to be on the deal. Uh, you know, it, it, get, that's why it's important to get your corporation set up, get the other LLC, you know, get an LLC that you're making these short-term deals in um, set up right away. Now, that being said, you know, if a deal comes your way, get the deal done, right? Um, you know, deals uh, don't come all, you know, to us every day. Uh, uh, so get the deal done. Um, and what we'll do is we'll help you get it into the business uh, uh, structure. Um, but yeah, if you don't have a deal right now, um, get the entity set up, get your corporation set up. And again, we need to figure out whether it's a C or an S, but get that set up so you can make the offer and you can enter it in the contract in the name of the corporation. Uh, or in an LLC that's disregarded to the corporation. The uh, the whole thing about, um, you, know, you know, do you wait for an entity or do you get the deal done? If you got a deal right now, get the deal started. Uh, make the, we, we can help you make the assignment. Uh, ideally, the entity is going to be the uh, party to the contract, though, because if anything goes bad, the entity is responsible. From a tax perspective, it needs to come into uh, uh, the corporate return. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. So our last question is um, use personal funds to invest. Um, I think this is from LLC regarding tax benefit. So that's also going to be dependent. Uh, I, I, I love this. Here's, here's the, here's the situation with it. Um, there's a couple ways we can go ahead and uh, uh, what we call capitalize the corporation. We can just contribute money personally. And we're, that means we get ownership in the business or we can make loans. And this is another thing we need to kind of uh, uh, cipher out is, you know, if we get loans, then we get interest back and we, we, we get our money paid back to us. Um, equity is just equity in the business uh, that we'll later get paid out on. Um, so it, it's gonna depend first on the deal. Uh, are you, you know, you know, do you wanna go ahead and get some interest back to you? Um, or are you just gonna set up the corporation 
a lot of my clients, uh, without getting into the details, uh, I would say majority, what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and set up the, you know, the corporation and then lend the money to the corporation so that they get paid back first. Uh, you know, that's safe from, you know, if any deals go bad, uh, then you're a creditor too. Um, pretty interesting right. on that. Uh, again, I, it's going to be a case by case basis, but uh, I'd say majority of my clients lend it to the corporation. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. So, um, just a follow-up uh, from RG about that, uh, probably about that question. I asked because CPAs say don't invest um, for funds on investments. Oh, don't invest personal funds on investments. Um, you know, maybe they're saying the same thing as I am that, uh, you know, you go ahead and uh, you fund the corporation with a loan, um, then you can encumber it also. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, other than that, a CPA, um, you know, maybe they're saying don't uh, commingle, uh, you know, personal funds with business funds, uh, create a clear separation. I'd agree with that. Uh, again, I want everybody on this to go ahead and, um, you know, make the, you know, do all your deals in an entity. And then some of, some of the time that's going to have an LLC that's disregarded to a corporation uh, or maybe even just a wholesale having that uh, corporation or that wholesale trust enter into the deal by itself. All right. Thanks so much, Michael. So for our last question of the day from Richard, how was Las Vegas economy? Do you think there will be some better opportunities coming up there? You know, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's anyone's guess. What we are seeing in Las Vegas is we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, Californians coming out, uh, you know, and leaving California. And that is uh, get a, uh, it is getting where um, yeah, I think it's, it's artificially inflating it for right now. We'll see, uh, you know, if we get more stimulus, maybe that's going to uh, uh, keep the um, the housing market up there. Uh, you know, it's anyone's guess, though. The, I do know that about 20% of uh, the Las Vegas Valley does work on the Strip, and uh, um, that does concern me. Um, if they're not getting the money they used to and they're not able to afford their homes, we could be looking at uh, some good sales. Uh, homes around 200,000 seem to be moving pretty quickly. 200 to 300,000 seem to be moving fairly quickly. I'm uh, not sure how long that's going to last. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. So let me just shift on another screen of mine because I've seen Margie's message and Vernon that um, they said that they also are experiencing some, some um, issues with, yeah, and the link. So let me try that one manually for you. So let me open this one. Uh, let me know if you can see that. So let me try to click on aba.link slash business IQ. So I hope that this is also the, um, the one that you're seeing once you go to the link. So it says one more step. Can you see that, Michael? Um, the website that I'm um, showing right now uh, that says one more step. I'm not seeing it on... I see oh. webinar updates. I see the Q and A. Okay, there. Can you see my screen right uh, now? Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. So let me try to type the link. So aba dot link slash business iq. So once I hit enter, I'll be um, uh, directed to this page that says one more step, 
and click on I am human, just to make sure that yep. you're not a robot. <laughs> so um, it says um, containing a bicycle. So I think I only see one. So let me try that next. So check on it again. Bicycle. There. So I think I got it correctly. So once you have answered it correctly, you'll be directed to this page. So um, I hope that everyone captured my step-by-step -step process on that website. So um, in here, uh, in this link, just go to, um, just fill up the form and then go to step two and um, let us know. Or let um, Michael, um, can you provide like an, an email address if ever, you know, they encountered any glitches yeah, if they uh, have any problems, they can go to uh, here. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll give you the uh, email address uh, for Amy, who can get you guys all squared away. Um, here we go. And there's that. Just posted that. Yeah, Kenneth. Yeah, you can send a uh, uh, an email to a Kasparik, uh here, I'll, I'll post it in there too. I'll put it in both places. Um, you can send an email to, uh, uh, to she, she takes care of all the stuff for me. Um, she's fantastic, sweet, and uh, uh, just, just a wonderful person. She can get you all squared away. Yeah, there. So I also posted it uh, to uh, in the chat box just to make sure that everyone can capture um, Amy's email address. So. Um, just save that, or and you can trust me with that cap. What, what is it, Captain? What? Hey, I, 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 I've thrown up my hands with it before. I, I get what you guys are saying. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that's why I became an attorney, not an IT guy. Uh, yeah, so for sure. Yeah. So um, um, it works well on my end. So I'm not really sure if um, you know that that could be about uh, any technical glitches or anything. So um, yeah. let Amy know. So the email address is in the uh, chat box right now. So reach out to, a to Amy for any concerns about um, a free book, of, free book of Michael. So right now, I don't see any, any more questions in the chat box or... Um, yeah, I know we went box. over a ton of stuff. But, you know, I'd rather provide you guys an insight um, and expose you guys to it. Uh, you know, again, Clint's going to be coming on, I believe, what you say, next month and the 21st, I believe we're doing one with you guys where yeah. Clint and I are speaking an entire day on passive and long-term. Um, we're we're going to have, uh, you know, a lot more time to get into the details. So, uh, uh, yeah, join us for that too. Um, you know, and, you know, just congratulations on, uh, uh, you know, taking that next step, being, being investors, uh, doing that sacrifice. And uh, I wish you guys the best of success in your investing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michael, and a good thing it worked for Richard. So I hope everyone, if any case, just in any case that you encountered any issues with a free book, um, just let Amy know and through email. So just shoot out an email to make sure that, um, you know, we can fix this out for you. So also, if ever, um, after this webinar, within 24 to 40 hours, probably we'll be sending an email through um, for the recording of this webinar in case you wanted to review Michael's uh, webinar for today. And if you have uh, questions in the future for Real Estate IQ, I'll be staying in the room, in this um, webinar room for like one or two minutes with my partner here, Kyle, just to make sure to give you time to copy and paste all the details in, in, the, in the chat box. So just let us know through the chat if ever you have questions about Real Estate IQ. And Michael, 
Thank you, thank you so much for this webinar for today. We learned a lot from you. It really is a great pleasure to know you, to be with yes. you in the webinar. Yeah. So I hope to see you more in the future webinars with Real Estate IQ. And next month, um, I don't have the exact um, date yet, but make sure just go to realestateiq.co slash events to make sure that you'll be updated for our future events, especially with um, Anderson Advisors. So again, everyone, for those of you who have asked a lot of questions, a lot of very helpful questions for our webinar for today, for those of you who have attended, thank you so much for your time. And Michael, again, thank you so much and you all have a great day. Bye for now. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.